ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. We find the defendant guilty. And I just wanted to grab her and ask her why, you know? I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. I don't know if they, I don't think anybody understands. And it's just sitting eating sandwich, you know, at a park. Doesn't make sense. Definitely hope she gets the help she needs, you know, and does a long time in jail. What a heinous crime, you know. Could have been anybody, like they said. Well, hello. Welcome hey. back. Hey. Welcome. Welcome back to Arizona, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> um, I was in Illinois for a little bit. My sister got married, so that was fun. Real fun. It was a great 28-hour drive there. <laughs> Not really, but... I'm here. I'm home. I'm with my dog. I'm with my girl. Let's go. My girl. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. Well, I'm actually doing the case this week because like we just said, Amber went on a little vacay. Yeah. I was so gone. she didn't really have time to do it. And since I was just sitting at home being a POS, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Molly, Molly took one for the team this week for sure. And just kind of let me, let me have a week off. And it was nice. That's what a partnership's for, right? Aww. Yeah. Come here. Thanks, dude. But she'll be back next week. Yes, so, yeah. So yeah, it's a Molly case this week, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to tell this one. It has Arizona ties to it. Hmm, okay. And I think the most interesting part about it being related to Arizona is during the time frame that some of these things are happening and the area that some of these things are happening, and me and you being who me and you are, Yeah. we could have easily been targeted oh, in this situation uh okay i'm interested yeah yeah very close to home so are you ready i mean i don't really have a choice so <laughs> listeners are you ready are we all ready <laughs> so on june 30th of 2018 the tight-knit community of brockport new york finally opens up a memorial that the whole community had been working on in the months leading up. This memorial was called the Megan Dix Memorial Garden and is a special and peaceful place that was built to keep alive the memory of a 33-year-old Megan Dix who was tragically murdered only one week before she was supposed to turn 34. Upon entering this memorial garden, you would see a sign with a photo of Megan Dix and her smiling face, and underneath it, it reads this. Welcome to the Megan Dix Memorial Garden, where family and friends and strangers may come and share a meal together in her honor while enjoying the view of the garden, a place where a beautiful soul was taken away and now replaced with a garden that has been sown here forever by the hands that loved her, knew her, worked with her, called her family and friend, by the volunteers who didn't know her, but wanted to help make a better place and were shocked by the events of what happened here. We will forever miss your ray of sunshine and smiling face. Love your family, your friends, and the locals. Now this garden was built on the same exact ground that Megan was murdered on. And this park was where she almost every single day, Megan Dix would come here on her lunch break to decompress, eat her lunch, and enjoy the nature. She particularly loved watching all the deers that frequented the area. It was her perfect little getaway from her everyday today life. Megan left behind a number of very close loved ones, including her mother, Deborah, her father, Dave, 
and her high school sweetheart turned husband, Chris, and their eight-year-old son, CJ. Oh. She was also the youngest of eight siblings. Oh, wow. In her family. Oh, wow. Six older brothers and another older sister. A very visibly broken family tries to heal from the death of such a beautiful soul by building the Megan Dix Memorial Garden in her memory. So on this very site where tragedy once struck her down, we now lift her up. This memorial garden was created by several different organizations in the Brockport community to honor Megan Dick's life. The family says it's nice to see something beautiful come out of something that was so horrific. All the bad things happening out in the world today brings you back to hope for humanity. Everything that's happened helps give us a little bit of closure and a little bit to hold on to. And it helps. Megan's parents, David and Deborah Duncanson, say this place was her getaway. She really liked it here. Deborah says she didn't want this spot to be remembered for heartbreak. Instead, a place where people can go to pray and to think about their beloved daughter. The memory will live on. People can come and read their books and tablets and texts and watch nature and enjoy it like Megan did on her lunch break. The family says even though Megan is no longer here, their love for her lives on. And with this memorial, so will her memory. So let's talk a little bit more about who Megan was and the events leading up to this point, because I'm sure you're dying to know. So Megan was born on September 2nd, 1983. And at the time of her death, she worked at the nearby Lowe's as a credit coordinator. She was an absolute daddy's girl. And everyone that knew the two of them would say that she had her father wrapped around her finger. In all the videos that I see of their family, her father is the most visibly shooken up and upset. They all are very upset, but there's He's, a certain level yeah. of broken that you can see inside of him. Like the most affected. Just he can't yeah. keep it together. I mean, all of them were deeply deeply in pain but her father he lost his baby girl she was the youngest girl among all of his children in her high school years megan would go pick apples from this particular tree and this particular tree that she would pick apples from just so happened to be near a house of a boy around her same age and his name was chris Megan and Chris became high school sweethearts mm. and basically were attached at the hip from the moment that they started dating. Their love for each other bloomed over the years and they were overjoyed when they had their very first and only child together, a boy named CJ. Megan was absolutely in love with CJ. She loved being a mother. Her and her son CJ would snoop around the Christmas tree and like check out the presents together. Oh. She was a very playful mother. Yeah. One of Megan's most proud moments as a mother was when she was able to teach CJ how to ride his bike without training wheels. This made her very happy and very proud. She was a very affectionate person. And I just wanted to read this little quote from her obituary. I actually read her whole entire obituary. <laughs> and this quote kind of stuck out to me. Okay. End quote. She also loved to cuddle. There are no words that will truly express how much she'll be missed, end quote. Like just the cuddle part of that I yeah. thought was just so Genuine. wholesome. Yeah. Now I'm going to play an interview here and it's mostly of her father, Dave, and her mother, Deborah. 
But if you guys go watch the video, you can see what I was saying before about how just absolutely physically broken Dave was hmm. when Megan passed away. Yeah. I'll see somebody that will remind me of her. And the pain is there. I loved her. I loved her a lot. He doesn't listen to anybody but her. <laughs> She'd tell him, you're going to do it, Dad. That's all there is to it. Everything takes a little bit of the pain away. I'm glad we spent that much time with her. Now let's jump to August of 2017. So this is about 11 months before the Megan Dix Memorial was built. On Friday, August 25th, at around 1 p.m., Megan would usually go on her lunch break from Lowe's around this time every day. So Megan would hardly ever have her lunch at her actual job. Megan loved nature, so usually she would leave, go to her favorite park that was not too far away from her job, and she was going there to enjoy her sandwich at the park. Now, this particular day, Megan would never return back to her job at Lowe's from her lunch break. Her co-workers, however, didn't really think much about this because they knew that her father, Dave, was sick in the hospital at the time. So they just kind of chalked it up to maybe she had to leave, take care of some business, and it was business as usual at Lowe's. They just did their thing. Yeah. As her shift at Lowe's ended, her husband, Chris, was concerned when Megan had never came home. Yeah. She hadn't called him or texted him, and this obviously made him worried. So Chris went out to go look for her at her job. And when she wasn't there, he decided to go check her favorite spot and discovered Megan's truck still in the parking lot. Oh, wow. So she never left the park? She never left the parking lot. Upon looking inside the truck, he sees Megan's lifeless body slumped over, still sitting in the driver's seat of her truck. Megan had been sitting in her truck for seven hours at this point. It was determined that she had a single gunshot wound to the left of her head. Now, the town of Brockport had only had like three murders in the past 10 years before Megan. So it was a rarity and it was very shocking to see such a random crime happen. Well, tonight, Brockport police continue to search for the person who shot and killed a wife and mother on Friday afternoon. As 13 Lambstown in Juvenville tells us tonight, Megan Dix was found in her pickup truck in a spot where she usually spent her lunch break, Danny. And Donna, we're told Dix was last seen around 1 p.m. Friday when she left her job as an assistant manager at Lowe's and Brockport to take that lunch break. She never returned, and seven hours later, her husband found her in that spot, leaving her family to wonder what happened and why. Donald Dunkinson is one of Megan Dix's seven siblings. I don't know what else to say. It just seems like a bad nightmare that you can't wake up out of. He says they have no idea who could have wanted to kill his little sister. It's a good person, you know, honest, caring, loving, dedicated mother, wife. It doesn't happen to us, you know. We, there's no shootings, you know, and even in Brockport, there's no shootings, you know, so it's just crazy. Duncanson described his sister Megan as someone who didn't have enemies, was always smiling, and often spent her time helping others. I know three times she had grown her hair out for locks of love. She did, she volunteered for like the marathons and fundraisers. She was always happy, you know, I don't get it. Now police and Dix's family are relying on anyone who may have been in the area where Megan's body was found to call them or call police, adding if you don't want to do it for the family, think of Megan's son. He's hurting. 
like we all are, but it's eight years old. You know, for, first day of school's in a week. And he's, he gets to go there and his mother doesn't get, his mother doesn't take him, you know. Now, over the last few days, Lowe's had made, has made counselors available at its Brockport location to help Megan's friends and colleagues. Again, police and Megan's fa family asking anyone with information on her murder to call 911, or you can call Crime Stoppers at 423-9300. On August 26th, the day after the discovery of Megan's body, the Brockport police held a Facebook Live press conference addressing the murder of Megan Dix. Now in the press conference, they really had absolutely no idea who did it and was basically trying to get help from the public if they'd seen anything that day. At the early stages of the investigation, it was shaping up to be a random killing. And those cases are just a lot more scary because yeah. they're harder to find the person who did it. Now Megan's murder happened on a Friday. That entire weekend, from Friday to Sunday, a bunch of seemingly unrelated crimes were reported around the county that Brockport was located in, Monroe County. It was reported that during the weekend, many different places in the town had been covered in graffiti. This included a basketball court, a bridge, a church, an exit ramp from the interstate, and a fast food restaurant called Tim Hortons. All these places covered in graffiti. Now, on top of all the random graffiti that were found at various locations, a popular cleaning service that you might know, Molly Maids, mm. had also discovered that all their cars, the tires had been slashed. During the same exact weekend, a restaurant called Sticky Lips Barbecue, located in a nearby town called Harrietta, while well, a waitress who worked there reported a random woman who was pacing around in the parking lot and talking on a cell phone, became verbally aggressive and pointed a gun at this waitress's face. <gasps> no way. Yes way. This waitress was obviously terrified, and she screams so loudly that the customers that are in the restaurant eating could hear her from the back parking lot of the restaurant. Now, after this waitress had screamed, the woman kind of fled the scene on foot. It was a very brief encounter. It wasn't a robbery of any sort. It was just a terrorizing act almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after this incident, the police were called. They showed up not too long after. And two hours later, they were able to find this gun-wielding woman. The woman who was terrorizing Brockport and other neighboring towns was a woman by the name of Holly Marie Colino, an Arizona resident. Okay. After Holly had pointed a gun at this waitress, she ran on foot to a nearby Holiday Inn. Police were able to find her in the hallway of this Holiday Inn, and along with being able to arrest her on the assault of the waitress, they had found in her hotel room a 38 caliber ultralight revolver. This gun is very small and like super easy to conceal. A black 38 caliber semi-automatic pistol that measured in five inches. So this is small enough yeah. to like, fit in your back pocket. They also found one 223 Remington semi-automatic rifle. After her arrest, police made another press conference explaining this whole ordeal. And I'm going to play that for you right now. Uh, good afternoon and, and thank you for being here on such short notice. As we all know, the sheriff who's seated to my left and the undersheriff who's seated to his left uh, along with Lieutenant Kazupoli, who's seated to my right, and I met with you on Saturday 
and unfortunately had to announce the death of Megan Ellen Dix of Lindenville, New York. Furthermore, we explained that Megan was killed while on her lunch break while seated in her vehicle by a single gunshot wound to the head. We asked for citizens to report any suspicious behavior to law enforcement. As a result of numerous leads and the efforts of all those that stand behind us today and many others, uh, there were upwards of 20, 30, 40 people um, working on this case, many of, many of which were resources that were provided by the sheriff. We are, are able to announce the arrest of Holly Marie Colino, a date of birth of 12-8-1985 of Arizona. Colino has been charged with murder in the second degree, a Class A-1 felony, and criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a Class C felony. Colino will be arraigned by Judge William Andrews at the Brockport Village Court located at 49 State Street shortly after this news conference ends. Sheriff's investigators, working closely with Brockport police officers, were able to link an arrest that occurred in the town of Henrietta last night to the suspect that was charged with Mrs. Dick's murder. And the sheriff will speak much more specifically about that as soon as I'm through here. Let me say this. Investigators from both agencies worked closely and tirelessly with the Monroe County District Attorney's Office, the Monroe County Medical Examiner's Office, and the Monroe County Public Safety Laboratory to bring this horrible situation to somewhat of a close. This said, nobody deserves to die. There are some people, however, who through their own criminal activity place themselves on a daily basis in harm's way and unfortunately become victims of heinous acts. Let me be clear, that was not the situation here. Mrs. Dix did absolutely nothing to put herself in a compromising position. In fact, she did everything a good citizen, a good wife, and a good mother should do. And unfortunately, because of being at the wrong place at the wrong time, and because of the sole act of one individual with absolutely no good reason, became the victim of the murder we're speaking of today. Before I provide the details of how we were able to bring the suspect into custody from a situation in Henrietta, I really want to talk and say that this is really about the victim and her family. Uh, Megan Dix, a 33-year-old young mother and wife, was senselessly murdered uh, in this random heinous act. And uh, as the chief said, this really could have been anyone. And. Uh, there's no previous connection at all between the victim and the suspect. And my heart goes out to Megan's husband, Chris, and their son, uh, CJ, and our thoughts and prayers are with their whole family. But shortly after five yesterday, deputies responded to Sticky Lips Barbecue in Henrietta for the report of an employee who had a gun held to her head by a female suspect in the parking lot. The suspect was located in a hallway at the Holiday Inn on Jefferson Road. After a brief struggle, the suspect was taken into custody and uh, in interviews and such went on. The coordination and information sharing with uh, Brockport Police uh, helped investigators really connect the two situations. So we were able to then 
focus on this individual as a suspect. And I'm so proud of our staff for the tremendous experience and the training that they brought to this case uh, to be able to bring closure for this poor family. Now. You said that this was random, but was there any kind of motive mentioned by the suspect? As far as the uh, suspect, she was, uh, um, she gave no reason for why uh, that situation occurred. She met the individual and within seconds of meeting her, ended up uh, discharging the weapon to her head. You said she's from Arizona. Why was she in this area? She has been formally uh, from the Brockport area. In fact, she resided in Brock, the village of Brockport um, at one of the local apartment complexes between, we believe, between the years of 2011 and 2014. We had five separate contacts with her, none of which were criminal in nature uh, during that time. And she subsequently left the area, came back approximately three days ago, I, I don't know why, um, but was familiar with the area. Now let me reiterate this. No, it doesn't okay. appear to be money on this, this woman, meaning uh, Mrs. Dix, was not involved in any criminal activity whatsoever. She merely left Lowe's, went to a place she commonly went to for the purposes of some peace and quiet, and to eat her lunch while she enjoyed a 30-minute break. As a result of just that alone, she was the victim of this murder. Just like the sheriff said, could that could have been any one of you, me, our family members. She played absolutely no role other than being at the wrong place at the wrong time encountering this suspect, which just goes to show what the value of life has unfortunately deteriorated to. And we see that every day. You report it every day. And this is yet another perfect example of that. Now, when Holly was arrested, she was taken into booking. Well, when she was inside the substation, Holly managed to slip her cuffs off and she escaped the building before anybody even noticed that she was gone. Um, what? Yeah. That's like unheard of. Right. Exactly. She literally walked out of the building. Wow. Wow. A two-hour manhunt was launched where police looked for her on foot and they even had a helicopter and eventually they were able to bring her back into custody. So do you know where she like went or did she just like up and took off? She up and took off, but we do know where she went and I'm going to play a little clip for you and they're going to kind of explain the whole okay. situation to okay, you. Okay, perfect. She had broken away from the cuffs and, and exited the building. No, that was brought up right up front. There was nothing, nothing to hide about that. Tonight, we are learning new information about the arrest and escape of Holly Colino, the woman now accused of murder. Monroe County Sheriff's today clarifying the timeline of events after sources told 13 Wham News, Holly Colino wiggled out of her handcuffs, left the sheriff's substation, and was on the loose for two hours. 13 Wham's Amy Hudak here now with what we have learned, Amy. Don, Holly Kalina was first taken into custody around 5 p.m. Monday after she allegedly pointed a gun at a server leaving work at Sticky Lips in Henrietta. What we didn't know until today, a complex and dangerous timeline of events never mentioned by authorities. 13 Wham's Jim Madalinski directly asked Sheriff O'Flynn Tuesday about the arrest of Holly Kalino. Were there any issues with the arrest last night? I know we saw a helicopter in the area. Was that related to... This. As the, the uh, 
suspect was being taken into custody. She bolted from the uh, investigators, and then after a short uh, chase, uh, she was uh, taken back into custody. What wasn't mentioned? Holly Colino got out of her handcuffs at the sheriff's substation. She was on the loose with choppers circling overhead in Henrietta for two hours. This was after Colino allegedly pointed a gun at a waitress at Sticky Lips. She says she just asked Colino if she was okay in the parking lot. The owner says it's a miracle she put her gun down and walked away. Fast forward several hours. A manager at the Wendy's on Lehigh Station told us Colino tried to get in the back door to their kitchen, but it was locked. Why wasn't this brought up during the news conference yesterday? It absolutely was. I explained to them that she had slipped the cuffs and had left. So yes, no, it was brought up. O'Flynn says he was honest about the details and that an internal investigation is underway. And obviously that's concerning to us that uh, she could... Uh, you know, get beyond one of our protocols and processes that we have in place. She was brought back into custody within about two hours and, uh, as I said, never left more than uh, 100 yards uh, from uh, the actual substation. Kalina was not connected to the murder in Brockport until she was taken into custody a second time. Charges for the Henrietta incident will likely be coming tonight or tomorrow. Things get very interesting when she's arrested for the second time after her escape. Mm -hmm. When questioned about the murder of Megan Dix, she did confess right away. And just like the police said in the press conference, Holly happened to see Megan in the parking lot. And within seconds of them coming into contact with each other, Megan was shot and killed. It was just like what they said, wrong place at the wrong time. And it was, in fact, a random killing. Yeah. During the time that Holly was arrested, she visibly looked mentally ill. She was very, very, very thin, so thin that you could see the outline of her arm bones. You could see the tendons on her neck sticking out. This was the reason why she was able to just slip her cuffs off. Yeah. She had super greasy hair. Her eyes were sunken in. She looked like somebody that hadn't properly taken care of themselves in a really, really long time. She looked unhealthy. If you were to see a photo of Holly growing up, which I will definitely be posting, she was absolutely gorgeous stunning. She honestly was a really stunning woman. She had huge full lips, huge lips, dark thick eyebrows, perfect smile, naturally just long beautiful hair. She was a naturally gifted woman when it came to looks. Yeah. You could see it. In Holly's early life, she was described as a very good student and she was very active and involved in sports and other extracurricular activities at school. She did track, field, field hockey, basketball. She even was on the football team, the JV football team. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah, really cool. Now, Holly actually attended East Rochester High School. This was in New York. So she did grow up in the Brockport area. And this is why she was so familiar with the area and all the places that she did graffiti on, which we will get into that later. Ah. In her freshman year, she was class president, so she did pretty well. One of Holly's childhood friends, a woman by the name of Kaylee Garman, spoke out after Holly's arrest, and this is what she had to say. Kaylee Garman says she and Holly Colino became best friends in elementary school. In fact, she still has her kindergarten drawing. She says Colino was a beautiful young woman who was athletic and very positive. Not the person who yesterday, she says, appeared lost. 
she had kind of a rough upbringing and she didn't have anybody there for her. She spent a lot of nights with us and ate a lot of meals with us and my my family bought her clothes for school and things like that and she was she was my best friend. The Holly I know is a sweet loving girl who cares about other people who if she knew what she really did it would hurt her so much. I don't know that she'd be able to forgive herself and I'm hoping that you know unfortunately something like this is going to get the help she needs. I mean, I feel horrible for the family that lost, you know, a mother, a wife, a daughter, a friend. But unfortunately, society nowadays just mental health isn't taken as seriously as it should be. There were things that aren't necessarily my business to tell, and it's not my story. But before people say that, it, you know, your upbringing doesn't cause this, it definitely can. And my heart just sank. I was like, there's, there's no way. There's no way she could have done this. And then when I saw her being led into court, I was shocked. It didn't look anything like her. I mean, she just really looked lost. She looked like somebody who's been through more than they have to and didn't have anybody there for them. I mean, I definitely agree with Kaylee's statement saying that, you know, mental health isn't being as, you know, taken as seriously as it should. And to have somebody go from point A to rock bottom immediately, like, it's sad. It's sad because there should be resources. There should be, you know, things for people like her that would have never ended in murder and assault. Yeah, and that's and that's the hugest thing. And I think when we wrap it all up, we can, like, have a mental health discussion. But that's the thing about this is it didn't need to get to this point. And what are, what are what can we do, honestly? It's, like, it's a hard thing to pinned down like you never know that that it's when you see somebody who's mentally ill walking down the street yeah. or like it, homeless or whatever you never really assume that that person might go murder somebody you just ignore it and you walk away yeah because if their life doesn't affect you then it doesn't matter yeah exactly and it's crazy you say that because holly's mental health literally affected a stranger so i personally think that everybody's mental health affects everybody. Oh, yeah. Because this would never have happened to a random stranger if this person over here wasn't Agreed. properly taken care Agreed. of as well. Everything's correlated and associated. So like I said before, Holly was doing pretty good in high school. She was you know, class president of her freshman year, going through all these activities. But by her sophomore year, that's when things seemed to kind of go downhill for her. Okay. And she dropped out, actually, oh, from wow. high school. Holly's family life was not the best. She lived with her father, who was a single parent, after Holly's mother had abandoned her and her brother, Jason. Holly's brother, Jason, also spoke out after Holly's arrest, and this is what he had to say. I told him, I'll go, well, it's a good thing you guys got her, because, you know, you're telling me she had two guns, and, you know, I really felt this kind of deep down inside me, like, something bad was gonna happen. I don't see her as somebody who would, would do something that bad. My dad did the best he could raising us. He was a single father. He put food on the table. That's a given. You know, she never had a mother to love her and hold her. There's a lot of resentment built up towards that and towards even like my fiance because of that. I really hope that, um, you know, she, Holly gets the help she needs and, you know, I pray for the other family at their loss. It's, it's awful. You know, I, I think about that every night. Now, in that clip, you sort of hear her brother, Jason, mention her disdain towards other women. Mm -hmm. And we will go way, way, way deeper into that 
in a little bit. But another childhood neighbor that also knew Holly stated that Holly was young and bright. She was a bright woman who would often babysit her kids and help them to read. Up until the point that Holly turned 16, things began to change. At 16, Holly's brother Jason and their father had gotten into a fight that ultimately led her father kicking Jason out of the house. This caused even more resentment and abandonment issues for Holly because her and her brother were so close. And she felt betrayed, and that's when she decided to also leave home at the age of 16. Oh, man. So she decides that that's the final straw for her. She's also going to leave as well. You know, she started out as this young girl um, who was very involved in school. She was the class president of her freshman class. She was on multiple sports teams, including the JV football team, and was very outgoing during her freshman and sophomore years of high school and then dropped out her sophomore year of high school, and things began to change. Now, her brother um, tells me that uh, they were raised without a mother, and that was something that Holly always had um problems with she always desired that mother figure and she chose to leave home after her sophomore year um and over the years uh he noticed that she would become jealous if he had girlfriends um and he did try to get her help and she would never take it so holly eventually did get her ged at the age of 25 after she got her ged she enrolled in monroe community college but eventually dropped out her sophomore year. By 2010, Holly was already showing signs of mental illness. She had started an online blog. Well, she started like multiple Mm -hmm. online blogs. And in these blog posts, Holly would write these very long, very emotional kind of ramblings. Some of them were actually really interesting and like relatable, but there was also some of them that were slightly incoherent. Okay. It was like in the beginning she was writing them and they sounded poetic-y in a way. Yeah. And then as time went on, they kind of just got a little bit less... Like worse and worse. Worse and worse, yeah. yeah. One of these blogs was titled Divine Justice, Divine Love. She posted an entry in this blog on January 4th, 2011. And the title of this particular entry was called Abandonment, How Can It Cause Victimization? And I'm going to read the opening of this particular entry because I think it is just the absolute perfect example of what actually happened to Holly. Yeah. End quote. Abandonment wounds can grow from adult years concerning relationships, but the roots stem from childhood. Lack of support, recognition, rejection, absence of commitment, and fully abandoned parents are deep planted seeds of wounds that become suppressed and a ripple effect occurs during the phases of life, end quote. Now it is a little bit like, what are you saying? However, there are things in there that really do make sense. Yeah, and, and like you said, it does kind of seem very like poetic and almost a cry for help. Oh, they it is. She's yeah. trying to channel these feelings that are inside of her into something. Yeah. Exactly. She's trying to express herself into something. And unfortunately, it led to just blog posts and who to help her with that, you know? Yeah, exactly. By the end of 2011, she enrolled back into college at a different college called SUNY Brockport. By the end of 2011, she enrolled back into college at a different college this time called SUNY Brockport. And during her sophomore year, 
This was the first of many videos that were recorded that showcased the extreme mental decline Holly was facing. During this video, she interrupts a lecture at the college. Mm -hmm. It was a lecture that the college was holding where a nun by the name of Sister Helen was presenting in front of a very large group of these college students. And I'm going to play that video for you now. Mm. Okay. In charitable Lady, who are you? My name is Holly Marie Colino, and I have faith in humanity and justice. And I can no longer listen to you lie. Just tell me one lie I've said so far. You have lied about the Gospels of Jesus. What's who here has studied the Bible in a secular manner as a scholar? Who here has known about the fabrication, the Roman Catholic Inquisition who was murdered? I never faced a situation like this before. You are wrong. I am Holly Merklino. I've been a volunteer counselor as a certified intuitive counselor. I've also had an opportunity to counsel convicts and ex-felons. Don't we see them re-offend? No, I don't think this is the right thing no. for this. You are speaking about this in a, set, in, a, in, a, in a devotional manner to God. We have a constitution that would separate the church from the state. Yes, you must. I'm sorry. I cannot no, allow this to happen to me. So you are profound. showing favoritism. I'm seeing solicitation of Roman Catholicism posted on our billboards. You do not know, but no, this is wrong. This is unjust. This is a weird story. Just let me read this. Just let me read this about the realities of what these criminals say. Not her book. Holly. No, because you don't want the truth. You want the truth? Hi. This is not right. Holly, I'm not sorry. Exposing all the realities of criminal justice. Holly. For the love of humanity and justice, get the facts. Get the facts. Critical thinking and don't get the reasoning. Logic. I thought she was somebody from the drama department. For somebody who feels that deeply about truth not being told to stand up in a group like this, you know, to have respect for her, truly. I'm sorry it ended that way. Watching that clip is, it's heart-wrenching because you can clearly tell that she is talking about something so passionate, yet her words aren't making any sense. To me, just screams that she is not necessarily, I guess, as passionate as that topic that she's talking about, but she's like thinking of all of her emotions on one topic and just using all of those emotions to just scream out her opinion on whatever it is just to, to be heard. It's to be heard. It didn't matter what she's saying. It's that she wants somebody to actually take her seriously and to make her feel like she's adequate. Yeah, and and it's it's crazy because when you're saying that, it triggered like a thought that her brain isn't running the same way me and your brain runs. Yeah. It's thinking about 50,000 million things at once, but the underlining thing is that she, like you said, needs to be heard and there's something emotional underneath all of it. Exactly. And, and she's channeling it. And she's channeling it. And yes, Holly Colino committed a murder and that's horribly wrong. However, 
the reaction from the crowd along with the nun making a joke like I thought you're from the drama department it further stigmatizes mental health and how we treat people exactly it's it's sad to see society's reaction and honestly our our like subconscious bias too because even when we were just watching the clip together molly we we both kind of had that cringy laugh but it was like the laugh that you give out when you're uncomfortable yeah it was uncomfortable yeah but it's also stemming from the societal aspect of what mental health is and who needs help from mental health and how we treat those, you know, those patients. Because in reality, if any normal person who doesn't necessarily have the background of mental health or psychology or anything like that, they're going to look at this like, wow, this is just some batshit crazy woman spewing about religion. And that's actually not the case at all in this situation yeah exactly now holly was later expelled from suny brockport because of this incident after this holly began working as an unarmed security guard at a pub called o'callahan's where she worked there for about one year and five months uh uh, whoa she became a security guard after all of that that to me i I mean i could say a million different things about that personally but to have someone as disconnected as holly was to become somebody in a position of power like a security guard granted it was unarmed but i mean that also just kind of speaks for for that bar that kind of screened her too yeah they were like yeah sure and I mean, and Holly was a very attractive woman. Yeah. She yeah. probably could have gotten most of the things that she wanted just based on the way she looked. And if she, I mean, a lot of mentally unstable people, I mean, they have moments where they are coherent, where they can kind of fit into society as well. So maybe that is at play here. But just immediately going from that clip to she was a security guard, that was like a red flag <laughs> to me. I, yeah. That's like, Wow. So during her time in New York, Holly began dating a man by the name of Jay Pritch. And through her relationship with him, she met another famous music producer. So Jay Pritch also was a music producer. And she got introduced to a man named Sheriff Royale. Now, I know it sounds really weird. He's a music producer. He's actually kind of famous. He is known for making the soundtrack for the hit movie Blade. Oh, okay. So he's actually yeah, pretty famous guy. So she started kind of getting involved in the music scene, the local music scene with them. Mm-hmm. In this friend group, it seemed like she might have been kind of thriving a little bit. She was inspired by people making music and, you know, male producers love to have females in songs and music videos. Mm-hmm. And Holly was a very attractive woman. So she actually was asked by Sheriff Royale to be in a music video where she played as a detective, Hmm. which is very interesting considering what Holly gets into when she finally moves to Arizona. So after her breakup with this man, she did try to make some music and she would often send it to that producer, Sheriff Royale. Of course, nothing really came from this, but it is just an interesting aspect of Holly's story. And guess what? I have some of her rap music if you would like to hear it. Um, fuck yes, I do. <laughs> it's acapella. It seems like she was just kind of freestyling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
It's really interesting. So I'm going to go like, ahead. sending samples and saying like, hey, what can you do with this type of deal? Basically, she okay. would record herself rapping, doing this or that, making music, and she would send it to him, maybe trying to get somewhere. I think she just wanted someone to inspire her. Or like attention, too. Attention, yeah. but also maybe just like a community. Somebody listen to her to hear what Holly had to say. Exactly. So I'm going to play some for you right now. Psychological mind fucker, come together, come together like a motherfucker. Master manipulator, premeditator, behind the scenes, calculator, mommy dictate, psycho, comedy. The boy's older now. He's gonna know how. He's privy. Sit the sour. Except, wait to the power. Listen to the Sadie's choir. Do a total cognitive rewire. That's right, mommy dictate. Serenating that hate. Come suck a toe. Laying out of bed like a Boston cream roll. Where's my typical psycho? Where's my motherfucking mommy hoe? Oops, looks like somebody made a decision without a mommy's night class. So in 2015, Holly moves to Arizona. While in Arizona, she would couch surf from various different family members mm-hmm. while she worked as an unarmed guard for Eagle Security. Now, the reason why she was constantly moving from one relative to another relative was because of how she acted towards any of the women who lived in the same house as her. One home in particular was a home that she shared with her uncle and her younger female cousin. This younger cousin actually really looked up to Holly. It was her bigger cousin. You know, Holly is beautiful. And so at first, everything was all good until Holly became rather aggressive towards her younger cousin because Holly thought that this young woman was way too obsessed with high school things such as makeup, doing her hair, and like trying to look good. Holly would act very aggressive towards women who enjoyed anything beauty related. This uncle eventually kicked Holly out, and then Holly moved in with another cousin. This cousin eventually kicked Holly out as well, when she started to act very threatening towards her cousin's girlfriend. She even went as far as to key the word hater on the side of this girlfriend's car. (gasps) No fucking way. Yeah. Now, after this, Holly began to spiral very quickly after this point and started to live in her car. Holly had posted a number of videos on her YouTube channel where she basically drove around many areas in Arizona, including Phoenix, Glendale, Peoria, Cave Creek area, terrorizing pretty much any woman that she came into contact with. Literally all of the places that Molly and I have lived or hung out at. That's like, why that's I said insane. that. Insane. In 2016 and 17, I was really in like Phoenix, in yeah. the Peoria and Glendale area. Yeah, I literally lived in Glendale. Yeah, and <laughs> it, I mean we both did, and not to mention we were also very in tune with like Cavondi Beauty yes. and like Sephora and we all loved that too. It. We drew our makeup on, did our lipstick, like, yeah. but that's why when I read this and heard about this happening, I was like, there, we could have easily just stumbled upon this situation. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we did, uh, you know, yeah. pass by, obviously not known her, but we could have been in, in passing with any of these situations. Yeah. Seriously. So she would visit mostly QTs and I'm going to play. Yeah, dude. That's even worse. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I just made a face and obviously you guys couldn't see it, but Molly's old apartment was literally, you could, yeah, you could open up a window and see the QT right then and there. Yeah. Like that's how close she was. So that's, I'm like mind blown. Dude, same, same. 
Now, she would mostly visit QTs, and I'm going to play some of these videos for you. But when you see these videos, I know, I know you're, I know you're going to recognize these places. Oh yeah. Hey, that lady in the white, she's a faker. Vehicle license plate EVC13. It's handicapped. She's not handicapped, and the other one that's driving, it's not handicapped. Again, they're fakers imitating my hair. Okay. And I know, I know, there's a lot of fraud with alleging one's handicap and all that. So I'm gonna make sure I get it right on. Yep, she's faking my hair. She's got blonde streaks throughout the Carmel. The other one's driving. She's obviously not handicapped. It's a handicap license plate, EVC13. I just pulled in, there's two of them. You see the one in the pink? She's faking my blonde in Carmel. Yep, and there's some dark brown in there too. It's anywhere I go, all of them. They've all robbed my life, my person, my identity. They've robbed my image, every one of them. Every one of them in the media, every one of them, everywhere I go. They took me, I, she, Holly and Colino. I can't get away from them. They're everywhere. They're on billboards, they're everywhere. Let's go back to the one at the QT on Cape Creek. She could not look at me and directly answer the question. Just like any envious white woman hater, she's got to have her followers who she's enticed with guilt and wrong to want to seek her approval, speak on her behalf. And why is it that they and she can lie constantly? They're a walking lie. They're a fake. And all of you gave them credit, status, and acknowledgement for something they do not have, they are not and do not deserve and did not earn. Fakers inside, she's mimicking my blonde. Carmel, gold, brown, and then she's throwing some red in there. Like red, like almost, almost like a purpley red. I knew it, I knew it already. There she is, yup. To the left of me, I can see her roots. As soon as I pulled out of the QT, they're, they're everywhere, they robbed my identity, they stole my life. BDX8486, Alamon. Submitting for a reason. You should not be submitting to that police officer. No. Nope. Now, when I pulled in, it was just one police officer. And he could have easily gotten away. Turned around to put his foot down and said, Holly M. Colino. Period. Or he could have said, Michelle Reed at SUNY Brockport. Getting away with misdemeanors and felonies. You don't apply the law to one, you don't apply it to anybody. So I'm very suspicious. Did he give credit and acknowledgement to the woman that envies me, I, she, Holly, and Kalino? Did he put the fake, the white, or any other race, envious hater, and the white woman? Did he put that rotten? Yeah, he's looking at me, I don't give a fuck. So these YouTube videos are very choppy and very hard to follow. Basically, they were just compiled over time. So she would go out and do what she would call investigating. And she would compile what she called evidence of people robbing her identity and extorting her. So it's just hard to understand, but Holly was born with all these awesome features. She was born with the beautiful hair, beautiful hair color, the big lips the the beautiful brown eyebrows yeah. and she knew that and she knew that and so basically if she saw anybody that maybe used hair dye filled in their eyebrows used makeup she instantly would just think 
that person is robbing her of her identity. Now, Holly also goes on to talk about how the general population of women have disassociative identity disorder. And she she mentions this very regularly. So here's another clip of Holly entering a QT, of course, and confronting a woman that she feels like she's robbing her her identity. Okay. And I'm probably going to play a little bit more than just that one little section, but you'll you'll get the gist. I went to the Peoria. Excuse me. I just uh, won't explain to what's happened. My voice is a little hoarse. Um, Peoria QT. As soon as I stepped in, there was one mimicking my eyebrows. Right at the desk, she works there. She's an employee. I'm going to call, and I'm going to get her name. What happened is when I walked past her, there were three envious cunts. Okay. They are an offender, and they're provoking me. Why? They envy me. One of them clearly has Botox or some lip plumper, as her lips were very swollen and protruded. There was three of them. Well, what happened is, two, I had went into the bathroom and went into a stall. Two came to follow me. One came over here and they knocked on my stall. One was hiding out over here. So when I came out, this one came from behind and this one was over here. Yes, they're envious cunts and they're cowards. And yes, they are an offender and they responded to that. Yes, you are an offender. And take a guess, guys, as soon as I walked out the door, the other envious cunt was to the left of me and four other cowards, four males wearing hats and shades inside. There was one other male over here, shot of them. One of them has obviously some kind of lip plumper. But I went outside and I captured the, a license plate of one of their cars that they went in. Where is it here? And I have a film exhibit. I'm gonna show you the exhibit of it. Um, it's license plate number BWZ1761. It's a white Dodge Charger. Now the Curia Put or uh, excuse me, the Peoria QT does have it on camera. It's on CCTV. And I'm gonna go in there before my shift and I'm just gonna get them to verify that the incident's on camera. That's all I need. They were mimicking my hair and they were drawing eyebrows to mimic my eyebrows. As I went to the register. One came over, there were three of them over here, all mimicking my hair, and I caught one, I got a close look, one that came forth was also mimicking my eyebrows, okay? So we got five liars and fakers. Recap, as I finished the compilation on the hair investigation, I got two and that was enough. As I decided to, all right, Holly, let's work on the eyebrows or the lips. Two walked right in, and as they were leaving, I got them, two, and I got the exhibits. So within one minute, I got two offenders. We know what they are, disassociative identity disorders. They're a lie. They're a walking lie, and that's why they lie. Mimicking, she's got, uh, I can see her roots doing the dyed blonde and the gold. Everywhere I turn, even in a parking lot, I can't get away from them. To bring attention to this one, because I'm noticing... As I've been doing this investigation and I've been noticing these women mimicking my hair, eyebrows, lips, and also even altering their chins and noses, especially because of these entertainers, they're all just pretty much a mirage of me, except if you see them in person, okay? They're making profit off of me, 
my image and my character. Your vehicle. No, there wasn't. Exactly. You just told me there wasn't. Thank you. Because what I'm going to do oh, is... Oh, really? Oh, really? You want to incite me? Look how you're acting. Because you blew something up out of nothing. And I you just gave me a lie. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You no, were going to... You told me that you were willing to lie and make a report when... You hit somebody, you don't try to drive away. You stop. Well, no. It's common sense. Don't you talk to me like that. I put my directionals on. It's already clusterfuck traffic. I did that out of respect. I signaled you, hence you knew how to come here. You, you just falsely accused me of driving away. That way you're not causing a scene and you're not blocking traffic. Okay? Right? Wouldn't that make sense? Okay, so did you guys exchange information? She has Don't throw out a label. Don't throw out a label. Don't throw out a label. Shame on you. Wow. Wow. Okay, so what... What you guys actually can't see is, in this video, she is literally drawing out, with codes, like, the situation at hand. For example, the whole bathroom situation, the very first situation where she was saying that these women, or offenders in her mind, were following her into the bathroom, knocked on the door. She's literally drawing her movements out, and she's so, like, disassociated from reality that maybe these these women also needed to use the bathroom at the QT. Maybe they knocked on her door because they didn't think that she was there or maybe they wanted to make sure she was okay. And, you know, she's drawing out all of these situations. It's also gotten to the point where she's now taking photos of these women. She is writing down their license plates. She's exploiting them. She doesn't know that she what she's doing exactly. is not crazy. It's It's her truth. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of clips here and I'm still going to play a few more for you, but I just wanted you guys to get the full picture of how deep this psychosis was. It was deep. It was yeah. just like what Amber said. It, it was all consuming. It was like her day job. She would wake up, investigate, and that was her. That was what she did. So not only just random citizens living their own lives were stealing Holly's identity, but Holly also claimed that she is owed money from multiple celebrities who also stole her identity. Now, these celebrities include Kylie Jenner, Khloe Kardashian, Eminem, Ariana what? Grande, Beyonce, Dr. Dre, Justin Bieber, Tupac, Madonna, Mariah Carey, and Britney Spears. That is a very odd combination of celebrities. Holly claimed in one of her blog posts that she detects telepathic and clairvoyant messages from celebrities that envy her person, who envy Holly M. Kalina. So here's the final clip, and I know you probably get the gist at this point, but in this last clip, she verbally attacks a few women and also gets into an altercation with some boys that were skating at the Peoria Skate Park, which ended in, you don't see in the video, one of these boys throwing a skateboard at Holly's car. So, wow. It's okay. getting more aggressive. Yeah. Identity thief. Get your hair done. Is that hair dye in your hair? Yeah. Yep. Okay, we got an envious cunt. Envy and jealousy. Identity thief. Another one. Identity thief. Identity thief. She not, she's not even aware of her offense. Ma'am, you need to stop taking my identity and stop copycatting. Stupid fucking cunt right over there. Another thing bad. Another stupid fucking cut. Everywhere trying to mimic my hair, my eyebrows, and my lips. Everywhere. These fucking jealous cuts. These fucking envious 
greedy, rotten, no gratitude, fucking cunts. They're everywhere. They made it so I have no purpose. They've stripped me of, I, of a family. I have no family. I have nobody. The only connection I have is going after the cunt that robbed my identity, that took off with my person, that robbed me of a life. You're liars and you're fakers and you're hypocrites. Mentally unstable. Mentally unstable. Mentally unstable. Disassociative. Look at her throwing. Disassociative identity disorder. Disassociative identity disorder. They come together in gangs. They're never alone. They're not mental fortitude like me. Dad, what was that? He flashed some red light on me. Little coward on a skateboard. 19th and Northern. It's approximately what, a little after eight o'clock? Me? No, you. Shut the fuck up, motherfucker! You bitch. Look at that. Yup, he's a motherfucker. He's. Oh yeah, really? That's it. Get over here! Oh, you want to run away like? So now that you have a very good understanding of her mental health and her mental state, mm -hmm. and all of this was her path leading her back to Brockport to take the life of an innocent mother, wife, and daughter. So now that you know all the backgrounds and all those other things, you'll understand this part a little bit more. So all the graffiti that was sprayed all around Brockport and the surrounding areas, mm -hmm. well, now I'm going to tell you what, what they it was. were. Okay. So at the church, she tagged the walls with, end quote, people hated, envied H.M. So this church happened to be one that she attended when she was young. At the basketball court, she sprayed, end quote, fuck off you girls who envy Holly M. Colino, end quote. Under the bridge, she wrote, end quote, cops involved, kill women, identity feeds, Honor Holly Colino can kill. At the Tim Hortons restaurant, she sprayed Holly M. Colino kill women. So they are getting more and more aggressive. Yeah, exactly. Like she's already portraying and planning out, premeditating in her mind that these women need to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you remember the Molly Maids tires, well, Holly used to work for them mm -hmm. for three and a half days. So let's get back to what's going to happen with this murder case. When Holly was arrested and confessed to the murder of Megan Dix, during her arraignment, Holly's attorney, Mark Fody, asked the judge to enter a plea of not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. There are certain determinations that are reserved for the defendant to make, not for counsel. And a determination of entering a plea is something that uh, the defendant has to be able to do. And this is a case that's going to involve certain evaluation and, and certain analysis that's going to determine whether it's appropriate for her to do that. And so at this stage in the proceeding, we reserved on that and asked the court to enter the plea simply because we want to make sure that due diligence is done to make full determination on what's appropriate. Her mental state will certainly be something that's under consideration as the case proceeds. Well, I think one of the unique things from the public perspective is because there was so much information provided in regard to what may have been going on with her beforehand, 
Uh, there's a unique level of interest, but there's also a unique reservation of judgment in this case. I think people realize that there may have been things that she was dealing with um, that separates her and distinguishes her from other individuals in this situation. And that's one of the things that's going to be analyzed as we go forward. Holly was pretty incapable of making her own decisions on any type of plea deal. Two weeks after this initial hearing, her defense requested a mental health evaluation. Both the defense and the prosecution agreed that Holly was suffering from a schizoaffective disorder with bipolar symptoms. In most cases, there would either be an ultimate disposition of not guilty or guilty, and this is this is sort of an area of the law that falls somewhere in between that. It, it acknowledges that what was alleged took place, uh, but there was mental defects, there was mental illness that was severe enough and, and um, it, it had enough of an effect on the defendant that it's ultimately determined that you're not criminally responsible for what happened, even if there was acknowledgement that yes, it did happen the way it was believed to have taken place. The doctors who have met with Ms. Conlino have come to a similar diagnosis, which is that of schizoaffective disorder with bipolar symptoms. Um, ultimately, there's consistent findings that she was delusional at the time of the incident. And ultimately, the right resolution here, at least in terms of the law and, um, and in terms of the court proceedings, is that we take that into account, that there's all this evidence to support that somebody's not criminally responsible and that they sort of fall into to this exception where, yes, it did happen, but the right outcome isn't throwing somebody in jail and locking them up there and, and letting them rot. It's dealing with what was going on at the time. And this will allow her to be put in an institution, a hospital, if, if the findings are consistent, that she still has a mental illness and, and she'll receive treatment. And that's consistent with what the public's interest should be here. There's sort of two different determinations that a court can make at this point um, based on the evaluations and recommendations of medical personnel and doctors. Um, the, there can be a finding that she presents a danger and sort of the sum and substance of that is that she would be committed to a forensic unit and there would be um, certain steps taken consistent with that. Uh, and there can be a finding that she no longer presents a danger but she's still mentally ill, in which case we're dealing with a different set of laws. It's a civil commitment. Um, there are, to some degree, more liberties that go along with that, but it still involves involuntary confinement. Um, you know, where this goes ultimately is, is going to be determined by those people who are involved in her treatment and, and most qualified to make recommendations that the court can consider in going forward. So instead of going to prison, Holly was instead taken to a mental health facility to undergo treatment. Megan Dix's brother, Dan, also attended Holly's hearing, and here's a little news clip of how he felt during these moments. Megan's family definitely wanted to see Holly go to trial. Donnie Duncanson says it took all he had to stay seated and quiet in court today at Holly Colino's hearing. Colino's accused of fatally shooting his sister August 25th while she sat in her truck on a lunch break in Brockport. Want to jump over and give her a, give, give her a beating, but you know... You just and, but Megan was a better person than I would ever be, and she would she would like to see the justice system take care of it. You know, 
Kalino's family has said that she suffered from mental health issues and was living in her car between Rochester and Arizona. Kalino's attorney requested a competency exam to determine if Kalino understands what's going on in court. Ultimately, the competency examination is a determination of her mental state right now. And so what has led up to the, the, her current state is something that may be considered. Prosecutors say no matter what the competency exam shows, they're ready to move forward with the criminal case against Colino. That includes a second-degree murder charge, several weapons charges, and an escape charge after fleeing from sheriff's deputies. Uh, competency is dealing with her ability to proceed with the legal process, to understand the legal process, to aid her attorney. It doesn't have any involvement with what her mental status was at the time of the crime. Any defense to possibly claim not guilty by reason of insanity will have to wait. Dix's family thinks Colino knew what she was doing and says she should stand trial for what she's done. you got to be sort of mental anyway to commit a murder, so that's... Let it play out and then let justice do its thing and hopefully it'll prevail. So six months later, Holly would return to court and this was when she was finally able to make her own plea on her own. The mental health help that she had gotten while she was in custody honestly did her wonders. She looked like a complete different person. She gained weight, she looked healthier and it looked like she just cared for herself more. Holly Kalino did plead guilty, but not ultimately responsible due to mental disease or defect. Holly was not tried for the murder. She never went to trial for the murder of Megan Dix, but instead she will remain in the custody of a psychiatric facility and under the custody of the State Department of Mental Hygiene. And this basically means that Holly most likely will never actually get prison time for this, but she'll probably just live out the rest of her years in this mental health facility. Suspect charged with murder and the shooting death of a woman in Brockport last year is pleading not responsible to the crime. Holly Colino entered the new plea this morning. She is citing mental illness. She is accused of shooting Megan Dix, the woman who was shot to death last year while sitting in her car during a lunch break. All this taking place at a park in Brockport. Selena Lewis was at today's hearing and she has more. Defense attorneys for Holly Colino say the woman who was in court today is a very different woman than the one who shot a complete stranger in the head in broad daylight last August. What you saw today was somebody whose understanding of this outcome and wanted to proceed with this outcome, even though in the past, when she was not receiving treatment, she was very resistant to things moving in this manner. Colino's attorneys say that Colino was severely mentally ill and for that reason wasn't criminally responsible for the murder of Megan Dix. There's consistent findings that she was delusional at the time of the incident, uh, that she was acting in a manner that she didn't recognize what she was doing was wrong. Medical professionals from both the defense attorney and the prosecutor's sides came to the same conclusion that Holly Colino suffered from schizoaffective disorder with bipolar tendencies and was not in fact responsible because that affected her during the time that these incidents took place. It's an interest of justice uh, thing, I guess, if, if you want to put it most plainly. Um, 
were we to go to trial, we had a very strong case factually. Um, I did a factual recitation of all the evidence uh, that we would have been able to put forth uh, at trial. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, defense counsel would have put um, their doctor on the stand and they could have potentially put our doctor, who we hired, on the stand. And with both doctors saying the same thing about Colino's mental state, all sides agreed that this plea was the best possible outcome. Yes, it did happen, but the right outcome isn't throwing somebody in jail and locking them up there and, and letting them rot. It's dealing with what was going on at the time. Selena Lewis, News 8. With this case alone, I actually agree with how the, the justice system handled this, honestly, because it's not every day that you get a mental plea that actually has factual basis as to why they are pleading out. And a lot of cases for both the prosecution and the defense, like a lot of times they don't usually agree on a plea unless it's kind of like there's nothing else left. And the fact that both her doctors on, on both ends, you know, both on the state level and on the defense level, they both agreed that she needed help more than jail time. Like that speaks volumes. Um, if every, you know, offender who has, you know, showing signs of mental illness got that same treatment, that same respect, that same evaluation, uh, our system would be completely different. And yeah, and I think the fact that it was a sentence that ultimately helped somebody heal mentally, of course, it's super sad for Megan's family. That's the biggest tragedy here. But if you think about it this way, Somebody's mental health of a person who lived in Arizona trickled its way all the way across the country and affected somebody's life in New York. Yep. That is why it's so important to actually try to change mental health because yeah. that affected, like I said before, everybody. Exactly. Everybody. Yeah. And the fact that we don't put enough time, effort, money into finding out what makes a person tick. This is a good example of that, of why we mm. should take mental health seriously. And it's not to say that, you know, Holly didn't do anything wrong. She obviously did do something wrong, but she didn't know it was wrong. She was so delusional that she had no grasp of reality. Exactly. She had absolutely no grasp of reality, but it's not a pass for murder. It's just to understand why did that murder happen? Yeah, and it's also just kind of playing off of going from one side of the spectrum all the way down to the very, very, very end. And then once she does get treatment, she is a different person. Her attorney noticed she was a different person. You saw in the video, even the look yeah. in her eyes, when she first walked into that courtroom, she looked like a lost, confused person. She also looked very old. She looked like she was in her 50s. And yeah. now, you know, a, a year later at her her resentencing or the new plea deal, she looks like she's in her 20s, 30s. She looked like she yeah. de-aged like 10 yeah. years. Yeah, Benjamin Button that shit. <laughs> she like, Benjamin Buttons. That, it's amazing to see mental health treatments work. Yeah, it literally worked. It worked. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the future, but in this case, f physically, it looked like it was doing yeah. something. And I will be trying to keep up on this case. If I can, I mean, this just happened. She just got sentenced in 2018, pretty yeah. much. So it's pretty new. So 
Over the years, we might be able to find out what will happen to Holly Kalino. If, if I get any type of update, I'll make sure to plug that in. But I hope you guys enjoyed this story. It was a lot of us talking about mental health, which is exactly what I wanted. It's definitely <laughs> my cup of tea. So yeah. I, I loved every everything about this because we usually do. I mean, I just was talking to Molly about this off mic, but we usually do the, the random killings that are very brutal or, um, you know, just other murders that we talk mainly about the murder itself and while this murder is very also important it's also it's nice to have a a change of pace yeah to talk about mental health and to talk about reasons why people may kill yeah agreed (sighs) okay well i hope you guys have a beautiful monday and yeah yeah peace out peace out bro